Well, let's take a look at the screens as we check out what some people are doing with their hands. Amazing what you can do with your hands, huh? How fun. Let's all stand together. Welcome to Labor Day weekend. We're going to talk about our hands this weekend and how God can use those hands and work by His mighty hand to work in each one of us. And you'll notice on the screens that this is one of the most recognizable, largest pieces of artwork in the United States. It's from our very own Mineta San Jose International Airport wrapped around the parking garage. It's seven stories high and 1,200 feet wide. It's created by a guy named Christian Moller from Berlin, Germany. And here's what he did. He digitally captured the hands of 54 members of Silicon Valley, people who lived here in Santa Clara Valley. And he took 400,000 little white discs and put them into a metal chain link fence to make this beautiful work of art. There are tamale maker hands up there. There are surgeons' hands, firemen, policemen, parents, children, teachers. There's musicians and poets and artists. There's all kinds of the diversity of our community represented in this great work of art. And their hands are up saying hello to all the people coming into San Jose and saying goodbye to all those people who are leaving our great city. It's a great work of art with hands. In fact, I want to teach you some things with your hands this weekend. First of all, I'd like you to take your left hand and stick it out like this, and then take your right hand and put your middle finger and touch the palm of your hand. Okay, and now go to this side. This is sign language for Jesus. Okay, Jesus. So you touch the palm of your hand. So you're already speaking another language. Very good. Jesus. Good, Siobhan. Way to go, girl. So Jesus. Next, raise both of your hands. Go like this. This is how you clap in sign language. You don't do this, but you do it like so. When you say, let's all clap, this is what it looks like in sign language. Like this. Very good. Let me teach you another one. We just heard this song. Put your left hand out in front of you. Put your right hand down with your thumb up. This means Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Say amen to somebody. Very good. The next one is this. This is the letter I. This is the letter L. This is the letter Y. If you put them together, that means I love you. So go ahead and go like, don't go like this. Go like this. Say, I love you. Yes, share some love with some people. There you go. I love you. And last of all, put your hands up like this. Bring your hands down so your thumbs are up. 
put your thumbs by your mouth and go like this. Thumbs like this. And that means blessings. Blessings on you. Blessings on you. Blessings on you. So as you're being seated, turn and just speak blessings on the people around you. Very good. How fun. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline that I've given you so you can follow along with the message. There's also some blanks to fill in. And the reason I give this to you, because I believe this weekend I have a message for you about increase in your life. I believe there's some promises God's going to give you, some things God's going to speak to you. So take this out, follow along, fill in the blanks so the Lord can work in you and you can take it with you this week. Well, it's the end of the summer I thought I'd do something a little different in reading the Bible text. We're going to look at Exodus 3 through 14. Instead of me just reading it, I thought I'd pick some volunteers to help me read in the crowd. Uh, Jesse Hernandez, come on down. Uh, who else? Aaron, why don't you come on down? Aaron Wilson, come on down. Uh, let me see. Jolie, you're there in the front row. Come on up and join me. So, Aaron, I'm going to ask you to go right here where it says Moses. Jolie, I'm going to ask you to go right here where it says God. And Jesse, I'm going to ask you to come right down here where it says Pharaoh. So I'm going to have you guys help me out. And here's what's going to happen. You'll notice that I've already marked off here your line. So you go here and you go there, here, here. And so each one of you, you can see how the lines work. I've marked all the ones for God for you and all the ones for Moses for you. And also on your stand, you'll see some sunglasses. If you want to put those on, I don't know, Jesse, if you can put them over your glasses, if you can read or not. There you go. So, and there's also a microphone there for you. We're going to read to you from Exodus chapter 3 to 14, some selected portions to help us understand the hand of God in our hands. And since we're wrapping up the summer, since we're wrapping up the summer, I thought we'd wrap this. Okay? So, take it a... Oh, you go, buddy. I picked the right volunteers. So go for it, Matthew. Yo, yo. Here we go, Matthew. All right. You guys are into this? Come on. Loosen up. Loosen up. Come on. Yeah, you got it. Work it. Work it. Yeah, come on. Work it, Kim. Uh, you got it. Here we go. Let's go. God's people were in bondage. They longed to be set free. So God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, you see. Moses, I chose you to work for me, to go and set my people free. Not me, Lord, I can't talk so good. I stutter and I was kicked out of the hood. Trust me, Moses, what is in your hand? It's only a rod I don't understand. Moses, take that rod and throw it down. You want me to throw it onto the ground? Well, Moses threw the rod, make no mistake. When it hit the ground, it became a hissing snake. He had lots of fear, was about to run, but God wasn't close to being done. Pick it up, Moses, by the tail. Trust me, I will never fail. So Moses grabbed the tail of that hissing snake and God showed up, make no mistake. The snake was changed back to a rod 
For Moses' rod became the rod of God. And with the rod of God that is in your hand, you will lead my people to the promised land. So Moses went when God said go, and ten plagues came to old Pharaoh. Blood and frogs and lice and flies, boils and hail, animals die. Locusts, darkness, firstborn die. Egyptians cried out, why, why, why? Go on, Moses, get out of here. Take your people, it's time to disappear. Well, when Pharaoh heard that the Israelites had fled, he called for his officers, and this is what he said. What have we done? I'm feeling very nervous. As the real eggs were gone, where are the Jewish service? Then famous chariots were ready to attack. Stop, then escaping. We're going to go bring them back. The people cried to Moses, soon we will be dead. Moses hushed their cries, and this is what he said. Be still, be still. Do not fear or quiver. God will not abandon us. He is our deliverer. Well, Moses stood before them all. He lifted up his rod. You will see salvation from the hand of God. Well, the wind began to blow. It was quite a sight. As long as Moses stood there, it blew through the night. Now Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He knew what he should do. Don't let them get away from us. We've got to follow through. As soon as they crossed, Moses heard the voice of God and he said to Moses, put down your rod. Then the water, it came crashing down. Pharaoh and his army all were drowned. With the mighty hand of God, God brought them out. They praised him with a clap and a shout. So we lift our hands and give God praise. Says, I won't leave you all of your days. What's in your hand that God is giving you? Give it back to him and a miracle he'll do. Well, the same hand of God that led Moses on his way is with you too. This very day. All right. Way to go, team. Next time you'll know not to volunteer. Although Jesse didn't raise his hand, but <laughs> how fun. You hear that word of the Lord? God came to Moses, and he's like, all I have in my hand is a rod. That's what I do my work with as a shepherd. That's all I've got. And God's like, I'll take what's in your hand, and I'll do something amazing with it. And that's what I believe God wants to do this weekend. He wants to show you his mighty hand and what he's put in your hand so that he can do supernatural things through you as well. If you open up your outline on the inside of the top, the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is this understanding. See, we're gonna talk about the hand of God, we're gonna talk about the hands of Jesus, and we're gonna talk about our hands, but I need to let you in on something. God doesn't really have a hand. He doesn't have a body like we do. God's everywhere. That's what's called in the Bible an anthropomorphism, which means an attribute of humans attributed to God so we can understand better what God is like. 
What it really means by the hand of God is this. First of all, it means his supreme power. That's what goes in the first blank there. His supreme power. Say that with me. His supreme power. The hand of God indicates his divine wonder-working power, and our confidence is that he can handle anything. There is nothing too hard, for his power is unlimited. And there are so many verses that explain that, but one of them in 2 Chronicles says this, Lord, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. One of the understandings of the hand of God is that supreme power. God is omnipotent. He has all power. There's nothing too hard for him. And when we talk about the hand of God, we're talking about his power at work on our behalf. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Now, how did this show up in Jesus? Well, when Jesus came, he demonstrated through his hands forgiving power forgiving power. Say that with me. Forgiving power. The power of God was manifest because the hands of Jesus were nailed to the cross, blotting out the charges against us. He completely paid the debt for all our sins. Our forgiveness is is sure. One of the major things about the power of God is the power of Jesus. When he went to the cross and every sin, every transgression, every mistake, every failure you've ever committed was nailed to the cross with him. That's the power of the forgiving hands of Jesus. Amen? And so that's why the powerful hand of God was manifest in Christ through the cross when through the power of forgiveness he sets all of us free. So then the response is, what do our hands do with that? You see, Isaiah 49, this prophecy about Jesus says this, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You are in the palms of Jesus. When he went to the cross, your sins were included, your mistakes. And we can come to Jesus and he completely forgives us. That's pretty amazing power, isn't it? That's pretty phenomenal power. And so our response is what we do with our hands, which is the next blank, which is the power of praising hands. The power of praising hands. Say that with me. The power of praising hands. You see, what happens is because of his majesty, because of his power, because of forgiveness, Psalm 47 says this, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. One of the commands is that we link our declared praise with the clapping of hands. That's why we do that here at Cathedral of Faith. We recognize God's great power. And if anybody of any great power in our nation or in the world walked in, whether their power was musically or governmentally, there's a sense of wanting to clap. But the supreme king of kings and lord of lords, ruler of the universe, he who has all power, our response is to clap our hands in praise. And there are really four biblical ways that that happens. One of them is declaration. When we clap our hands, we are declaring victory. We are declaring that God is great. We are declaring that he has all power. We clap because of the declaration of the joy that he brings to us. Second of all, in addition to declaration, the second reason biblically we clap is affirmation. Affirmation. We affirm God's work in us. God, I see that you're at work. I see that you're doing great and mighty things. I see that your purposes are happening in my life. I'm grateful for who you are. You're the leader of my life. So when we clap, we affirm his work in us. 
The third biblical model when it comes to clapping is agreement. It's saying amen. We agree with what God has done. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I'm waiting to see them come about. I clap in affirmation of your word. I say amen, amen, amen to your work in my life. Those are all declarations. All of these are ways in which we declare the victory of God, the power of God. But in addition to declaration and praise, one of the biblical references for clapping has to do with attack, has to do with spiritual warfare, that when we clap, we attack. Let me unpack that for you. When I went away to college, my sister bought a cat. It was a black cat. It was a black Siamese cat whose name was Midnight. Honestly, it should have been Nightmare. Because they bought this cat. I came home from college three months later at Thanksgiving. And I would be walking down the hall from my room. And that cat would take off running and jump up and dig its claws into my calves. Ugh. But one of my favorite things. I would come to my room. I'd open the door. And the cat would be laying on my bed. It's not even my cat. What are you doing in here? And I would love to get out of here. There was something about that power of clapping and saying, you get out of here. But biblically, that's one of the reasons why we clap too. Because sometimes the enemy, our circumstances, we just feel like we're overwhelmed. And it's like we just come against those lies. We come against all those things that have been set up against us. We come against everything that's been formed against us. And we declare in the name of Jesus that there is power. Amen? In fact, I want you to stand up. I want you to look at those four things again. Declaration, affirmation, um, agreement, and attack. I don't know which one you need today, but I'm going to invite you in just a moment to do what that command says. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. I don't know what it is you need God to do in you, but we're going to declare it together. We're going to shout the victory. We're going to tell the enemy he has no place. We're going to clap our hands because God's mighty power And God's forgiving power is here for us. Amen? Amen. Let's go. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. You are a great and mighty God. We exalt you. You're worthy of blessing and honor and praise. You are great and greatly to be praised. All the lies be gone. The attack of the enemy be defeated. The power of God be released. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Come and release your spirit. Release hope. Release encouragement. Release strength. We ask you to build us up in the spirit right now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to share a story with you. Several years ago, I was taking, getting ready to take a team to Guatemala on a missions trip. It's been my privilege to take over a 1,000 people on missions trips. And I was there with another friend of mine doing an advanced trip to set up for a ministry time. We have a missionary who was there about six hours north of Guatemala City, up near Tikal, and we had an orphanage we had built there. We were gonna bring a team to work for a week there and to serve the community. So we went there in advance to do a work. And we had a powerful week of setting everything up, getting ready for this ministry time that was gonna happen a couple months later. And then the day came when we were supposed to ride back with the missionary to Guatemala City. It's a six-hour drive on this barely road. 
and we were going to ride back with him to catch the plane out that evening to fly back to the U.S. That morning when we got up, the missionary's wife came to us and said, Daniel's in bed sick. He can't get out of bed. He's just so sick. He's not going to be able to take you to the airport. But there is this thing called the chicken bus. And it goes, it, it'll take about 10 hours instead of six hours. And really it could have been called the chicken bus or the goat bus or the pig bus. Because the reality is there were chickens and goats and pigs. There were people on the back bumper, people on top, people hanging out the sides. This chicken bus was the only mode of transportation to get us to the city. And it's not that I was afraid or didn't want to do it, but I thought, God, this just doesn't feel right. So I said, you think Daniel would mind if we came in his room and just prayed for him? So we went in the room, and when we went in his room, he could barely lift his head off the pillow. He's like, I just feel terrible. I can't even get up. And I said, I think God wants us just to praise and worship. And so my buddy and I, we just started praising God, clapping our hands, declaring God's greatness. And as we were doing that, God spoke to me from Psalm 8, verse 2, that says, out of the mouths of children, I've ordained praise. So I said, you know what? Do you mind if I go get some of the kids from the orphanage? I just feel like they're supposed to declare praise over you. And we just need to do this in agreement together. He's like, sure. So we went and got about 20 of the kids from the orphanage. We all crowded around this bed in this room. He's laying there, you know, barely lifting his head. And we just started clapping and praising and declaring God's greatness, just like we did just now. And when we finished, he said, I feel a little better. I'm like, let's do it again. So we clapped and praised and exalted God. And he's like, I feel a lot better. I'm like, let's do it again. We clapped and we praised and we exalted God. And in that moment of praising God, all of a sudden he just sat up and says, I feel great. I think I'm going to take you to the airport. And we're like, ah, that's great. And he said, so you don't need to leave when the bus comes in an hour. You can wait and we'll leave in a couple hours. So we got up, had breakfast. We talked. He was doing great. We finally got in the car and we're heading toward Guatemala City. And about an hour later, we came on this huge crowd of people. We had to stop, got out of the car. What's going on? And we walked over and there was this deep ravine. And down at the bottom ravine was the chicken bus we would have been on. God's praise had protected us. God's praise had protected us. So some of you just started to have breakthrough as we clapped. It's about to get even better. Let's exalt the Lord together and give him praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We magnify your name. You're worthy, Lord. Satan has no place. The enemy is defeated. All those lies are broken down and cast down. No weapon formed against us will prosper. We exalt you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the supreme power, the creator and sustainer of the universe and of our lives. We exalt you. Release victory right now. Release power right now. Release strength right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 And all the people said, Amen. 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 As you're being seated, just speak blessings on the people around you. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on to the second understanding. The hand of God does talk to us about supreme power, but the hand of God in the Bible also talks about divine protection. Divine protection. Say that with me. Divine protection. You see, the hand of God indicates his constant, watchful safety. 
working everything for our good so that we'd be more like him. He does not ever sleep, but he hears our cries, offering his mercy and grace. And there's a passage of scripture that speaks to that clearly when David writes in Psalm 139, Lord, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. This is the divine protection that God has. When we say, may the hand of God be on you, sometimes it's about his power, sometimes it's about his protection, his divine protection. And here's how that showed up through Jesus. Jesus demonstrated that same thing through his hands when the hands of Jesus gave divine blessing. Divine blessing. Say that with me. Divine blessing. Jesus' hands brought blessing. They're extended to everyone, offering the blessing of favor, love, and care. Jesus' compassionate touch is for everyone. The helpless, the hurting, the broken, everyone is welcome. And one of the great examples of that happens when you look in Matthew chapter 19, and it says, the people brought little children to Jesus, and he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. You see, that divine protection of God was manifest through Christ when Jesus would reach out and bless the children. The disciples said, hey, this is an adults-only thing. Get those kids out of here. And he's like, no, 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 no. No one's too small. No one's too insignificant. No one is outside the circle of my care. And that includes all of us. That's why Cathedral of Faith, everyone is welcome because we believe God wants to bless you. And so because of his loving, because of his divine protection, his divine blessing, then our response with our hands is the power of raising hands. The power of raising hands. Say that with me. The power of raising hands. There's a command that we read in the book of Psalms that says this. Lift up your hands in this sanctuary and praise the Lord. Let's read that together. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Because of his divine protection, our response in worship is to raise our hands. Now I have people ask me all the time, why do you people raise your hands in church? I don't get it. Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to explain it to you. If you look at the back screen, you'll see a whole bunch of scenarios that you're probably familiar with. The first one is reaching for help. Have you ever been standing on the side of a swimming pool and somebody pushed you? The first thing you do is your hands flail to reach for help. You're trying to find something to stabilize yourself. If you start to fall, you grab hold of something. And sometimes we raise our hand reaching for help because we need some stabilization in our life. We need God to make things clear, to make things certain. And so sometimes when we're worshiping, we raise our hands reaching for that help from God that only he can give. The next one says excitement. Now, nobody ever goes to a basketball, football, baseball game, and before game says, okay, if your team scores, everybody jump up and raise your hands. Nobody has to say that. Because the minute your team scores, you're up on your feet, your hands are up, you're excited. Score! You can't believe it, it's great. And so when we come to worship, sometimes our hands are raised in that excitement. God, thank you for what you've done. You've defeated death. Victory is assured. You've come to do a great work. I lift my hands in excitement for what you've done and what you're yet going to do. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Over on the far right on the top, you'll see the ones that look here. 
If you ever told a friend, hey, I'll meet you at the movies or I'll meet you at the coffee shop, you go in, you save the seats, and they come in with the popcorn or they come from the coffee shop uh, counter with their coffee, and you're like, hey, over here, I'm over here. Like, there's all these people, I just want to make sure you see me. Sometimes in worship, that's what it's like, God, I know there's a lot of people in this building, but hey, I'm over here, I'm over here. Here I am, come, come visit me, come work in me, come do your work in me, Lord Jesus. That's another reason we raise our hands in worship. Over here, you know, desperation. Nobody has to say to a drowning person, now when you are drowning, don't forget to raise your hands so somebody sees you. No, no, no. It happens instinctively. Your hands are like, help! And sometimes when I'm worshiping, it's help, God. I need your help. How's this going to work? How am I going to get through this? How is this going to take place? Sometimes I'll raise, or I just... Crying in desperation, God, if you don't show up, I'm drowning here. Throw me a life jacket. Throw me a buoy of mercy. Come and be the lifesaver right now. Sometimes the raising our hands is that desperation. The next one, surrender. You've seen it many times. Stick them up. And the first thing you do is like, I surrender. I give up. And sometimes that's what worship is. It's surrender. God, I give up. I've tried everything I can. I don't know what else to do. I surrender these circumstances to you. I surrender this relationship to you. I surrender these bills to you. I surrender that boss to you. Whatever it is, it's this place of surrender. The next one is questions. So imagine you're in the board meeting with your boss and it says, okay, I want you to do a report on this by next week and hand it in. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. What, what report? And uh, when's it due? And, and, and what do you want in it? And Sometimes we raise our hands when we have questions. And sometimes when we come to worship, it's like, God, how much longer am I going to have to go through this? What are you trying to teach me? What are you saying? How are you working? Sometimes our hands are raised just saying, God, I've got a question here. I don't understand. Please come and help me. On the other hand, you'll notice the little girl is saying, I know, I know. Sometimes the teacher will say, okay, who knows the answer? And our hand goes like, I know the answer, teacher, pick me, pick me. And sometimes like, God, I know you're the way, the truth, and the life. I know you're the bread of life. I know you're the resurrection and the life. I know that your promises are true. I know that. And even though I haven't seen him yet, I know these to be true. And I raise my hands declaring that I know the truth. And the truth is going to set me free. Another reason we raise our hand is you'll see down here volunteering. A few minutes ago, I asked for volunteers, and even though Jesse didn't raise his hand, I picked him anyway. Great job, Jesse. Raising your hand says, hey, pick me, pick me, pick me, choose me, Lord, use me, take me, let me be used for your glory, take my life, take my purposes, work through me, Lord. Sometimes the raising our hands is just volunteering for God to do a special work. Now, who would like a cathedral blanket? Who wants a cathedral blanket? Oh, there you go. You know what happens? The minute I say, who wants to receive a blanket? Hands went up. And that's another thing of worship. It's to receive. They're like lightning rods that attract the lightning of God's power. I raise my hand and say, God, I need to receive your mercy, your grace, your healing, your strength, your wisdom. I come to just receive of your glory right now. Come and fill me to overflowing. That's another reason we raise our hands. Now, the next one, you've probably seen this, hopefully in a movie, not in real life. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and the, nothing but the truth. So help me God. Do you know why we do that? Back in the 1600s, it's when this started. People would hold their hand up, and the reason it happened 
was because in those days, they didn't have computers, they didn't have files, they didn't have the cloud. The judge couldn't say, bring me the file of this person, let me see what we have. They didn't have files in the 1600s. But here's what happened. If you went to court and you were convicted, or even if it was questionable, but there was a good chance you might have done it, but they let you off, after the hearing was over, you would get a brand, a T for thief, an F for felon, an M for murderer. It would be branded on your right hand. So what happened is when you stood before the judge, you had to raise your right hand and say, oops, we let him off three times before, not this time. So it's almost like you wore your file on your hand because they didn't have them then. Now, we don't do that anymore. At least I don't think we do. I haven't seen anybody's hands out there with any of those letters on them. But what happens is when you stood before the judge, it was a moment of honesty and vulnerability. Here's everything about my past. And that's another thing that happens when we come to worship. God, you know me better than anybody. You know every mistake, every failure, every sin, every shortcoming. I give them to you. You know me better than anybody, and yet you love me better than anybody. When I come to worship, I raise my hands in vulnerability, say, God, you know me, and yet you love me so completely. The last one on the bottom right is about relationship. Every single one of these hand-raising illustrations on this screen have to do with relationship. God, answer me. God, I know. God, I'm calling on you. I need you. Work in me. I'm open to you. The reason we raise our hands, it's about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what I want us to do. I, want, I believe God wants you to receive something from him today. I believe he wants to pour something deep inside of you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out and join me. And we're going to take a moment to declare in song, Lord, do it again. My confidence is in you. I'm still in your hand. Great is your faithfulness. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I want you to pick one of these reasons. Some of you are in desperation places. Some of you have questions. Some of you just need to come honestly and vulnerably before the Lord. Some of you are just grateful for what God's done. But here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands. And we're going to worship the Lord in the sanctuary. And I'm believing He's going to pour out special grace on you as you receive from him. Lord, in these next moments, there are some people who've never raised their hands and they're about to do so and experience something powerful from you. Because Lord, you tell us to lift our hands in the sanctuary. And in this moment of surrender, in this moment of acknowledging your greatness, of asking our questions and submitting ourselves to you, I believe you're going to meet with us in a way like never before. Lord, let the power of raising hands be activated as your divine protection and healing hand is released upon us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Change to 
surrender to you. We come desperately seeking your work in us. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my questions, our fears, our concerns to you. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Lord, we receive from you right now. We lift our hands in worship. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Oh, we love you, Lord. We exalt you. Your promise still stands. Great is your
This is my confidence. You never fail me yet. Never fail me yet. And I never will forget. You never fail me yet. And I never will forget that you never fail me yet. Lord, we lift our hands acknowledging your great power. We lift our hands acknowledging that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We lift our hands in desperation. We lift our hands in anticipation. We lift our hands in agreement with your purposes. Lord, we raise our hands exalting you for you are worthy of all praise. And we declare your greatness. We receive from you of your great strength. For those who are drowning today, offer your hand of help. For those with questions, come and answer those doubts and fears. For those, Lord, who are anticipating the next work of your spirit, come and reach out and take them by the hand. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us and your mighty power, your outstretched hand have come to each one of us that we can receive from you. We exalt you. We lift our hands in worship and praise for you alone are worthy. You alone deserve the praise. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We exalt you together. Let's once again give him a clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 As you're being seated, say amen, 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 amen to God's work in your life. Let's look at the final expression of the hand of God. The hand of God does show forth supreme power. It shows his divine protection. But it speaks of the hand of God in the Bible. It also talks about his loving care. His loving care. Say that with me. His loving care. You see, the hand of God indicates his loving care for each one of us. We can leave everything in God's hands, trusting him to do what's best. Because whatever we commit to the hands of God or in safekeeping, he will not fail us. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that I believe is the word of the Lord for many of you this weekend. Instead of reading it, I want you to close your eyes because I want to speak it over you. And I want you to not just be following with your eyes. I want you to follow with your spirit what the Lord wants to say to you in this moment. Because I'm going to read this verse over you and I want you to receive it. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I, I want to speak this over you again because it needs to go deep in your spirit. The Lord says to you, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand hand. Lord, I just speak that over your people right now. Somebody needs to receive that as the word of the Lord and the promise to take home with them today. Your right hand of loving care is upon them. 
I'm so grateful for his power. I'm so grateful for his protection. But how wonderful that his loving care is extended to us. That's how he sees you. And this was also manifested through the hands of Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. And one of the ways it was manifested was through healing care. Through healing care. Say that with me. Healing care. You see, the hands of Jesus reach out with healing. When he touched the sick, they were healed. His healing touch is still available to bring wholeness and restoration and strength to all of us, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, because anything is possible. You see, the loving care of God was expressed in the hands of Jesus. And one of the passages that explains that to us in Luke 13 is when a woman was there who'd been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Jesus put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. You see, Jesus manifests that loving care by laying hands on the sick and they recovered. Well, just like the power of God brings us to praising hands and the protection of God brings us to raising hands. This loving care of God brings us to the power of extending hands. The power of extending hands. Say that with me. The power of extending hands. You see, knowing that God's hand of loving care is upon us, and that Jesus' healing hands still reach to us today, we gladly extend our hands to receive, to bless, and to serve. And one great scripture that illustrates that from Mark chapter 16 says, these signs will accompany those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So here's what this final expression of the hands of God is about. Sometimes we extend our hands to receive of the blessing of the Lord. Sometimes we extend our hands to bless. You'll often see that Pastor Ken will do that in the service. We'll do it. I'll often be speaking. And that's, it comes from this blessings, speaking blessing on you. But also it's about serving. You see, the way this sermon started was Moses had a rod in his hand. Again, that was just what every shepherd had. That was part of his job. That's what he used to do his daily work. And he's like, God, how can you use me? And God's like, what's in your hand? Like, this rod, that's it. And God said, throw it down, give it to me, extend your hand, offer this rod to me, and when you pick it back up, it's the rod of God. And here's the question, what's in your hand? That's where this whole weekend comes to. It's great to clap and praise. It's great to raise and praise. But God's put something in your hand. Now, for Moses, it was a rod because he was a shepherd. I'm not sure what he's put in your hand. Maybe it's a diaper. Maybe it's a spatula. Maybe it's a wrench or a cell phone or weights or a school book or a crayon. Or maybe it's a trumpet or a keyboard or sheetrock or a chisel. Maybe it's a money. But he says, what's in your hand? Again, in Exodus chapter 4, this is how he did it with Moses. He said, then the Lord said to Moses, what's in your hand? And he just said, I just have a staff. Again, he threw that staff down. And when he picked it up, Exodus chapter 4 verse 20 says this. He took the staff of God in his hand. So God wants you to take the keyboard of God, the diaper of God, the chisel of God, the paintbrush of God, whatever is in your hand. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, it says, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. 
God is with you. He's given you that job, that opportunity. What's in your hand? Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The next passage in Deuteronomy says this, the Lord your God will, will, will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. And then finally in Colossians chapter 3, whatever you do, wherever you work, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord rather than for people. So here's, here's the whole understanding. When you get to work on Tuesday, because I assume you're off tomorrow, whether it's a steering wheel in your hand or a chisel or a wrench or a paintbrush or a diaper, whatever it is, I want you to go to work and I want you to say this to yourself as soon as you get there. I am here to worship and serve Christ. That's what's in your hand. That keyboard, that telephone, that rod, whatever it might be, turn it in to the keyboard of God the phone of God, the diaper of God. In that moment, you say, God, I'm here to do this, to worship and serve you. And let me tell you why this is what God wants for us. God's plan for every single one of us is to grow up. How many of you hope your kids never grow up? <laughs> well, I, I, I get that part. But the reality is you do want them to one day grow up and get a life and get a job and move on and be self-sustaining, Right? We want them to be mature, don't we? And that's what God wants for us as his children. He wants spiritual maturity. And so here's what spiritual maturity looks like. There's two principles of spiritual maturity. The first one is the principle of Christ-likeness. The more you grow up and mature, the more you will become like Christ. That's the evidence of Christian character. You'll start to be like Jesus. People will get around you like, oh my gosh, she reminds me so much of Jesus. Everything she does, I just imagine that's what Jesus would have said and done. Or I get with him and what he, he's just like Jesus. I mean, his heart, his compassion. So one of the principles and signs of spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness. The second one is usefulness. God's plan is that when you become mature, there's evidence of useful ministry. You start to become useful in the kingdom of God. You recognize that what God has placed in your hand is for a purpose, and he wants to use that. So part of being mature is recognizing that what God has placed in your hand is for his glory and for his honor. And so what are you going to do with what's in your hand? You might thought, think it's much. It's only a rod. It's only a phone. It's only a crayon. But if we offer it to him and we take what's in our hand and give it to him, he can use it for his glory. When I turned a year old, my dad was transferred to Korea. And when he was shipped off, my mom and I lived alone here in the States for a year. Now, this was the 50s. Daycares did not exist. You couldn't put your kid in a daycare and go to work because there were no daycares in those days. So my mom had to stay home with me every day and take care of me. And she lived off of the checks that would come once a month. But she would tell me when I got older about some of those days. She said, Wayne, there would be times when I run out of money before I ran out of month. And I would sometimes go one, two, three, four days without eating because I didn't have enough food to feed you and to feed me. And she said, I just remember I would make sure you were fed. And even though I was waiting four more days for that check to come, she said, I would take you in my hands and I would lift you up before the Lord. Say, God, you gave me this gift. 
he's yours. I'm not just going without food because I can't afford it and I don't have the money. I'm fasting that you would take this young child, you would take this boy, use him for your glory. I take what's in my hand, I give him to you, he's yours, use him to fulfill your purpose. You know what? No wonder I ended up in ministry. (laughs) And when I turned six years of age, I got rheumatic fever really badly. The doctor said, I couldn't walk. I I could barely crawl. And they took me to the hospital. The doctor said, he's never going to walk again. In fact, he's got it so bad, he may not live. And my mom's like, God, I offered my son to you. He was yours. And she said, call for the pastor. The pastor of our church came and laid hands on me. And I was healed instantly. Not only did I get up and walk, I run marathons. And that came from this moment where my my mom said, God, I extend my hands. What's in my hand? I give it to you. What's in your hand? God wants you to offer it to him. It may not seem like much, but whatever's in your hand, he wants you to offer it to him this weekend. I'm going to ask you just to reach your hands, extend them before you. I'm going to speak God's blessing on you and God's purposes for your life. Lord, every person right now with hands extended, you know what's in their hand. You know what you've given them. They may not think it's much, but Lord, take what's there and use it for your glory and for your honor. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, overflow them with your grace, pour out your mercy, strengthen them in supernatural ways. Lord, we receive the blessing that you have for us. And Lord, whatever may be in their hand, whether it's a soundboard, a microphone, a steering wheel, a trumpet, sheetrock, hair cutting scissors, stethoscope, flashlight, flowers, whatever it is that's in their hand, take it and use it for your glory and for your honor. Lord, would you make us more like you? We want to be more Christ-like. And Lord, help us come to greater usefulness to serve you, to serve your people, to serve this season you called us to here on earth. Bless my brothers and sisters. Encourage them, strengthen them, overflow them with anticipation of what you're going to do in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God a clap of praise. Hallelujah.